Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, deep political policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually... Um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. What's shaking, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Oddcast featuring me, the Odd Man Out. So I usually don't do an intro, but I wanted to do one this time because I had some issues with this podcast as far as I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, Michael Whitkoff was very gracious with his time and he was very patient, but I was having some issues not only did I have to rush home to record this after my son's karate lessons, but when I got home, it was like I had 15 minutes to do this. And I'll try not to ever make that mistake again. I'll try to make sure I have more time and do it on a night when I don't have to be rushed. But when I logged into the computer, well, I could not get Zoom to work correctly. I couldn't send the Zoom link to Michael. Not only was my email not working, but it wouldn't allow me to cut and paste. I tried two different email addresses. Still to this day, I'm not sure what happened, but we were about 15 or 20 minutes late getting started, and he had to go because he had a prior engagement. So I just want to thank him for being patient once again, and I hope that you find this show interesting, even though it's a little bit shorter than normal. And I realized as I was doing it that I didn't relax during this show and I was kind of uptight because I was so nervous I didn't think it was going to happen. So not my best showing for sure, but he did a great job and he's a very interesting guy. So I hope that you enjoy and here it is. All right, oddities. This week we have a fantastic guest and I'm so sorry that I actually screwed up. We had this computer mess up, so it's going to be a little bit shorter than normal. But I'm super excited to have him on, and I've been just kind of binge-watching his videos this last week. So, Brother Augustine Michael Whitkoff, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, thank you again for your patience, and thank you for being on with me. Sure. I mean, I wouldn't call me a fantastic guest until the podcast is over, because who knows <laughs> if it'll... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, you reached out to me on Gab. Um, I... I I'm not super familiar with your stuff, but I did look at your podcast site. It looks like a lot of uh, politics and philosophy and history and quote conspiracy and all that stuff. So uh, sounds like a lot of really interesting stuff that you cover. And I uh, thank you for the invitation to come on and talk with you. You're absolutely welcome, man. I, uh, I guess I first heard you on with Jay Dyer and uh, I bought your book and oh, I you. really enjoyed it. And uh, you know, I've caught several of your interviews, but uh, the one you did recently well, in the last few weeks with Marty Leeds, the debate, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, um, that was something. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's weird because I used to listen to Marty a little bit to because I didn't even know what Gamatria was. And so he kind of hooked me with that. It just kind of uh, wanted to, you know, kind of see what that was all about. And, you know, he would say that, you know, he, you know, it basically just comes down to the same old same. I mean, he, he's a very intelligent person and I do believe he's probably a genuine person, but uh, it's all about, you know, apotheosis of becoming God, you know, and yeah. he says that he believes in Jesus, but he also says we are Jesus, you know, uh, so yeah. He, he believes in whatever Jesus serves his argument. So like he would say, he denied that Christ walked around teaching stuff, right? But then out of the other side of his mouth, he'll use, quote, something that Christ said to prove his quote point. But it's like, wait a second, you just said he didn't come to earth and say that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, an incoherent mess. But yeah, it was a debate, quote, debating him was a an enlightening experience, let's say. Right. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's like uh, a lot of the, kind of Gnostic leaning and Freemasonry writer, Freemasonic writers, they kind of do that same thing. And I I know he says he's not in the Masonic Lodge and I believe him, you know, that's what he says, but it's like they, you know how it is because you're in there. (laughs) Um, These writers like Pike and and even Manly P. Hall and some of the other ones kind of contradict themselves from time to time. And it makes you wonder what they actually do believe. Are they trying to confuse people? Are they, just getting caught up in their own mm. philosophy and not realizing that they're contradicting themselves or, you know, it's kind of crazy. Well, St. Saint, uh, Saint Irenaeus, uh, whose existence Marty denied during our quote debate, said 2000 years ago in his book Against Heresies, that the root of every heresy is a desire for money, sex, or power. So in terms of what they believe, and I think this is not just true for Gnostics, I think this is true for a lot of people, what they believe is in service to what gets them some kind of tangible benefit. And I've heard Jay Dyer talk about this as well, where they'll, they'll present a belief system to you as if it's well thought out, as if they're really serious about it and devout to this system. Uh, but in reality, they're just saying whatever it is that grows their subscriber base or their platform or their Patreon numbers or gets them groupies. Um, so as to what people like this actually believe, I don't know if there's even an answer. Uh, they believe in benefits. They believe in um, self-improvement in the secular sense, but I'm not sure we can even call what what they espouse a, a real belief system, like a real philosophy or a real theology, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And, and you know, I can't remember if it was you or someone else, but I've said this myself, you know, looking into a lot of these new age beliefs and, uh, you know, Freemasonry and whatnot, it's like... Um, there is no set of beliefs and in all the Masons, a lot of the writers, they don't even agree on the origins of Masonry or some of mm-hmm. the main tenets of Masonry. And I know Christianity has its own different uh, sects or, you know, different types as well, but some of these main things they don't agree on and uh, they can, you know, they, as far as initiations go and things like that, they can draw any conclusions they want you know, and, and that's, that's one of the biggest problems I have with all these new age writers. Like, you know, they try to take the symbolism and say, it means this, it's connected to this, that, and the other. And they, there's really no end to what they can actually say, you know? Right. And so, I mean, it's kind of tough to debate somebody like that if they don't, (laughs) you know what I mean? I think you did a good job. Oh, thank you. No, I, I described it afterwards as like trying to catch a jellyfish with your bare hand. And I don't mean in the sense of it stinging you. I mean that as soon as your fingers kind of close down around it, it just changes shape and moves somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a whole world of people out there whose uh, power or fame or influence is based on vague statements that sound really smart, but don't actually contain any substance. And mm-hmm. people like this really, like the, the people that are like that really, really hate simple yes or no questions about what they believe, like asking them to put what they believe in clear, concise language, because that exposes the fact that they don't actually have any substantial beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how you feel about Jordan Peterson, but I often see him doing that. Uh, Marty Leeds did that. Uh, All those writers you mentioned, like Manly P. Hall, will often speak in these glittery ambiguities that don't mean anything. And I'm fairly certain that if he were still alive and I tried to interview him and pin him down on these things, Uh, he would get upset or change the topic or go into some fallacy. 
just to avoid acknowledging, hey, I actually have no idea what I'm talking about. And I just said this because people think I'm really smart when I say it, which is really, uh, I think the true motivation is for people to think that you're intelligent and kind of worship your own mind and then gather around you people that also worship your mind, but without asking questions that are too tough. Right. Yeah, I think so, because a lot of a lot of these guys never got asked questions hard the hard questions that i ever witnessed you know and of course i wasn't around for most of manly p hall's life or like with jordan maxwell you know i've done so two or three shows kind of just debunking some of the things that he's talked about over the years and he's kind of one of the you know the worst ones about that kind of stuff or one of the leading ones i guess you'd say in the last 20 years or so but it's like he can say anything and try and make it mean anything he wants. And then nobody ever calls him out on it. In fact, it's just the opposite. You know, they're like, Oh, wow. I didn't know that meant that, you know, and they kind of fawn over him. And I'm sure that's kind of an addictive feeling to these people who are kind of making things up as they go anyway. So, yeah. And they, and they very specifically surround themselves with people who have that reaction. Like, when I did that thing with Marty, a bunch of his people started commenting on my channel. A bunch of my subscribers started commenting on his channel. And some people watched both of us already. So it was interesting to see how this played out. And one of the big points he kept making during our debate was that there are no dates in the Bible, as if this proves anything, even though, of course, there are, there are dates in the Bible. They're just not written like modern dates, like Tuesday, May 4th, you know, 2021 or whatever. Um, because back then things were dated according to who was in charge at the time. So like in the year of the emperor, blah, 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 for example. And so one of his, one of the people that watched both of us uh, in uh, after the debate commented on his channel, Hey Marty, like I agree with 95% of what you say, uh, but you said that there are no dates in the Bible. And actually there's all these dates. Here's some examples. Uh, and also uh, when you talk about the kingdom of heaven being at hand, you know, the Greek uh, phrase being translated means nearby, like at hand is King James English for nearby. It doesn't mean a hand, uh, but otherwise I, I love your stuff, right? So the guy was like mostly fawning, but a little bit challenging. Mm-hmm. And Marty's response to him was, I don't want people like you on my channel. Wow. Yeah. So even a little bit of pushback, you know, it's intolerable to people who just want to be told they're brilliant. Now I I don't actually know who Jordan Maxwell is. Uh, I heard Jay oh. Dyer mention him in his debate review of my debate with Marty Leeds. Uh, but he sounds uh, insufferable from what from what he said and then what you've told me as well, like the same kind of personality. Yeah, he's he's getting up there in years now. I think he's in his 80s, but uh, he was certainly courted by some of the uh, the people who are really into the whole alien ag- agenda and stuff like oh, that. Oh, gotcha. And he's one of those guys who he takes certain things that are, were considered conspiracy or not really conspiracy they've kind of been proven just certain things about how the federal reserve was created and you know things like that uh we'll talk about the catholic church and some things like about the jesuits he's big on talking about the jesuits but he um you know he's he has some credibility on some of the things he speaks about but then he gets you know he, he pushes it so far that he really just he takes all kinds of words like modern english words and tries to equate them with ancient Hebrew and Greek and in even Egyptian, even though, you know, he gets the Egyptian and Greek gods mixed up and he doesn't differentiate. It's just all kinds of stuff. It's really, gotcha. but if you don't know any of that stuff, then you totally buy into the whole thing. And that's what most of the people do. So, I mean, in my mid twenties, I, I got into aliens and I, I was reading Zechariah Sitchin, a Mason, by the way, Zechariah Sitchin. Uh, and I was totally convinced that, you know, humans were created as a slave race for the Anunnaki who came here from Nibiru to mine gold in South Africa. Like, I definitely went through that phase. Uh, I like to think I'm a little bit older and a little bit wiser now. Uh, but yeah, if you've never heard this stuff before, I mean, it's fascinating stuff to think about. If you don't really have discernment or a, a worldview that would put that kind of information in context, like in Orthodox Christianity, we do have the context for all, what all this alien stuff is about, which is essentially that it's demonic. Uh, in nature and that they're presenting themselves in a way that people are amenable to hearing uh, and believing, uh, just like they can take whatever shape they want, basically. Father Seraphim Rose talks about this a lot in his excellent book, Orthodoxy and the Religion of the Future, which I highly, highly recommend for you and everyone listening if you haven't read it yet. Um, But yeah, I didn't know any better at the time. You know, I was smoking a lot of weed, so my mind was already, you know, open-minded man, you know, that kind of situation, that kind of attitude. Uh, and it was fascinating to me. I never heard anything like it. Uh, you know, I'd always been curious about humanity and where we come from, but I, I wasn't grounded in anything. Uh, and when you're not grounded, 
and you're open-minded and not grounded, I mean, anything can just pull you off and spiral you in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure what you think about aliens and stuff, but now, now, like I said, I'm on the, it's a demonic kind of trick uh, train. No, no, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. And that is a fantastic book. I, I can't remember who recommended it, but uh, I read that last year and it's just oh, it, his foresight into the, the new age idea and the alien agenda and all that was just amazing to, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I, I suspect I, he's going to be canonized as a saint likely yeah. within my lifetime. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that totally. Um, one thing I wanted to say, because people that are not familiar with you, you have a super interesting past, like a story. Mm. And um, I was watching a, a video today and you said that you uh, grew up in a reformed Judaism mm -hmm. home or yeah. so I didn't realize that. And then um, and then somehow you got into Freemasonry and actually joined a lodge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I grew up Jewish. I got bar mitzvah. I went on birthright to the Israel trip for 10 days that they send you on if you're Jewish and you're 26 or younger. And uh, then I joined masonry in my, I want to say I was 27, probably back in 20. Yeah, I, I'm really bad with time and date, so I get things confused. I think I joined masonry in 2015. Uh, actually, yeah, I joined in 2015. That's right. So how old would I have been then? That was six years ago. So yeah, like 27 or so. Um, so because of my ethnicity, I think I get a little bit of extra leeway talking about certain political cultural trends. Mm -hmm. um, and so Jared Holt, you know, the guy from Right Wing Watch, uh, described me as ex-Jewish, an ex-Jewish anti-Semite. So I guess they have to deny my ethnicity in order to label me anti-Semite. Uh, but there's a surprising number of Jewish converts to Orthodox Christianity that I've met. Uh, we have a bunch of saints. Obviously, most of the apostles were Jewish. Uh, St. Romanos the Melodist, uh, St. Melito of Sardis, uh, Father Alexander Men was Jewish, Father James Bernstein was actually a founder of Jews for Jesus, uh, and then became Orthodox later. But yeah, I grew up in a, a home that was culturally Jewish, but we never read the Bible, we never prayed. I mean, we would do Hanukkah and Yom Kippur and Rosh, Rosh Hashanah, like the high holidays, mm -hmm. uh, but there was never any sense of, of God being real, because uh, Reformed Judaism is is basically where you're just culturally Jewish. It's your cultural community that you hang out with. It's your social circle, uh, but it's not taken seriously. Like it's almost like hyper Protestantism, except that most Protestants do believe in God and read the Bible. Whereas mm -hmm. most reformed Jews, I would say probably do not. Um, and I've learned a lot more about Judaism since I became Christian than I did growing up Jewish. I've certainly reading the old Testament a lot more and thinking about it a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting journey because growing up Jewish, becoming Christian, there's literally not one person in your entire extended family, at least in my case, uh, that really wants you to do that. You know, I still remember the first time I told my mom, I was scared to tell her, uh, you know, I, 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 she said, oh, how's it going? Said, oh, good. You know, I did this, I did that. And, uh, you know, I went to church on Sunday and she said, okay, but you're not like talking about Jesus there. Right. And I was like, no, that, that is the point of church actually. Um, so I haven't gotten any real pushback from my family because i mean if they took judaism seriously i'm sure they would have tried harder to stop me from leaving but since mm -hmm. they don't believe in anything to begin with you know if i go off and believe something it's not like they feel like they're losing a jew you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh, because it doesn't mean that much to them in the first place gotcha yeah that makes total sense um so do you mind if i ask how you kind of got to join freemasonry sure so i worked at greenpeace uh, back then, in my hippie days, I had long hair, I was smoking weed all day. Uh, and I was, I did both street canvassing and door canvassing, street canvassing being like at malls or in front of Whole Foods or whatever, getting people on their way out to, uh, to sign up for Greenpeace. And then door canvassing, you go door to door, knocking on doors, giving your pitch, trying to get people to uh, subscribe or getting them to re-up their subscription if it's lapsed. And I remember one of the guys that I canvassed at the door had this wearing compass on his door frame, on his outside wall. Hmm. And I started asking him about it and he gave me very cryptic answers. Like I could tell there was something he wasn't telling me. And this made me like insane with curiosity. Like what, what is this thing? What is this symbol? Why is this guy being so secretive and coy about it? And every single day on the way to and from work, I would pass a, a giant Masonic lodge, right? Very visible from the freeway with the big square encompass and the G. And so one day after work, I, uh, me and a girl that I had been canvassing with that day, you know, she wanted to come with me and check it out. So I stopped by and uh, 
there's all these symbols and everyone's walking around wearing a suit. You know, I, I didn't spend time around people that wore suits. I wasn't a suit person. I was a t-shirt and shorts person. Mm -hmm. So I just started asking questions about it. And, and this one guy said, well, the third degree is, is higher than the 33rd degree. And this blew my mind to them. Like, what is this puzzle? What does this mean? How could three be more than 33? It's not true for the record, not really. But this is something they, they tell people. And so I'd never been exposed. Like I, like I had been thinking about this stuff, like when I was getting into my aliens phase, it was right kind of around that time. Mm -hmm. um, so I just started really thinking about what are we? Like, where do we come from? Where are we heading? What is the world made of? Uh, is there a God? I was just starting to open up to these ideas. And so all these guys are talking about philosophy and Pythagoras and Plato and Hermeticism and Kabbalah and all this. Not everyone's into that stuff, but the guys that I was kind of connecting with were into that stuff. Um, so I was just like this, the floodgates of philosophy were open to me. And plus I got to do these cool secret rituals and dress up in a suit a couple times a week. And, uh, you know, before the dinner, they would say your name if you're an officer and everyone stands up and claps for you. Actually, I didn't like the clapping part. I always thought that was a bit weird. Like I don't need to be <laughs> clapped for. Um, but yeah, I got into it and I, I loved it. I, I joined the Scottish Rite. I joined the York Rite. Uh, I joined eventually the Masonic Rosicrucian Society, which is not something that's advertised that most Masons have ever heard of or they know it exists for that matter. Uh, okay. So I got the 32nd degree in the Scottish Rite, which doesn't mean anything in modern America. People always think if you're a 32nd degree, you must have some secret. Uh, in reality, in America, you get that on your very first day in the Scottish Rite. So this is not the case in Europe where they might make you wait six months for every single one of those 32 degrees. So it might take you 16 years. In America, at least in the southern jurisdiction of the Scottish Rite, you see, uh, you join the Scottish Rite, you watch five degrees that day, which are like these little ritual dramas. And the last one is the 32nd. So you get to say you're a 32nd degree uh, Scottish Rite Mason. Uh, and I joined the Master Craftsman program, which is part of the Scottish Rite, where you learn the history of Masonry, or at least people's best guesses as to the history of Masonry. Uh, and it just totally consumed me uh, for years. I was an officer in four different groups. Uh, it was my entire social circle at that point, or almost my entire social circle. Um, and then through a, a series of, I don't want to say coincidence, because that's not the word, a series of providential events, let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, I was led to open the New Testament and take a look at it. Um, and then that led me to go to church with my friend who'd been praying for me for years at that point. And then I just never stopped going. Uh, I went to a Wesleyan church with her and it was exactly what I needed at the time. You know, a lot of Orthodox are very sharp against Protestants and I don't, I don't have any anger towards my previous confession as the Protestant because they taught me how to love God, what the Bible is, who the apostles were, how to read the Bible, like how to, how to love God and his word, essentially, you know, mm -hmm. that's what I needed. Uh, and then after a couple of years of that, I decided I wanted something closer to the beginning, like more traditional, more historic. Um, and every, I mean, every Protestant is going to have a lot of the right ideas and then also their own kind of ideas, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in different, different degrees, different ratios of, of what I might, of what you might call orthodoxy and heresy or orthodoxy and heterodoxy is probably a more polite way of putting it than heresy. Uh, and I'm not saying that they're um, consciously being heretics, like they, they know what they know, you know, they know what they've been taught, they know their own ideas, they've gleaned from the scripture doesn't mean that they've studied the history of theology and come to the wrong idea on purpose. Some people have, but I think most of them have not done that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I liked my parish a lot, uh, except for the Zionism and the female pastors. And so I asked the uh, senior pastor one day, a very well-known guy, like in Trump's little circle of evangelicals, mm. I said, and I wasn't trying to you know, start a fight. I was just curious. I said to him, hey, so you say it's a Bible-believing church, but the Bible says you can't have female teachers. And this whole Israel thing, like Israel is obviously the church. It's the new Israel. It's not some country that wouldn't exist for 1,900 more years when the Bible was written, right? Mm -hmm. So why do you guys do this? And he said, because it's my church and we do it my way here. And that answer was very unsatisfying to me. Wow. Uh, and then a friend of mine, a guy called Neon Revolt, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's, he was big into the Q stuff. He was major promoter of Q. Uh, he's Orthodox, actually, even though I think he's going to Protestant churches now. Um, I've known him for a few years, and he was the first one to mention, oh, if you want something like older, more traditional, you should look at Orthodoxy. Mm. And so then I became Orthodox, um, but I skipped a, a phase here, which was that eventually, and this is the, uh, the root that the fruit of my book came from, as, still as a Protestant, um, as I got deeper into church, deeper into the Bible, I eventually realized I have to choose between this and Freemasonry because these are incompatible. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of Masons are Christian and they don't know it's incompatible. Um, so I wrote the book to help show other people why you really have to choose. You really, I mean, it says right there, a man cannot serve two masters. You really have to pick. Do you want the one that says all religions are equal paths to the light or the one that says I am the way and the truth and the life and no man comes to the father except by me. These are these, you have to pick. These are mutually exclusive statements, right? Theological mm-hmm. statements. And so I realized, well, I'm getting all this grace and healing from this latter belief system. Whereas the other, the former one is very cool. It satisfies my intellectual curiosity, but it's not saving me. Like it's not edifying my soul. Uh, And so I left and it was terrifying. Like I said, it was almost my entire social circle. I had no idea what to do with my life. I'd spent years investing into this, you know, financially and socially and with my energy and time. Um, but I felt like it was what God was calling me to do. And I, I've never regretted it for a second. I miss the guys sometimes. Cause I liked, I had nothing but good experiences there. You know, I never saw any child murder or like killing a goat. None of the weird stuff that some people think happens. I never saw it. It might happen, but I never saw it. I had nothing but a good time there. So it was really hard to leave, but I've never regretted it because there was a lot of grace that came with following God's commandments and dying to my desires. Like he who loves his life will lose it. Well, I love my life. And I chose to lose it, at least, you know, in that sense. Right. Um, so, yeah. And now here I am a few years later, uh, when I talked to Jay Dyer on his channel, I actually didn't even know who he was. I just knew he was into masonry and like the occult and exposing it. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll talk to this guy. I had no idea that he was like one of the biggest names in that world on YouTube at the time. Uh, and then all of a sudden everyone like knows me and yeah, it was, I didn't realize what a small pond orthodoxy was at the time. Um, but yeah, here I am just basically spreading this message as far, as far and wide as I can, that masonry is not Christian. They are opposites and you have to pick one. Very cool, man. That is such a cool story. It's different. It's, you know, you really, I can tell, I mean, it's obvious, of course, you've written a book about it, but you were an intellectually curious person and obviously an intelligent person. And to go through those different things and then come out where you are, it, it says a lot. And I think that uh, it's inspiring uh, because now, you know, I, I'm sure you well know this, but like there is such a push for a kind of a, a new agey kind of belief. And that encompasses like so many different types of belief systems. And, yeah. you know, Freemasonry is kind of in the middle of that, it seems like. But, um, you know, it's like I feel like I was telling one of my friends, that this new age thing, especially in the quote unquote truth or community or whatever is being pushed so hard because I think it's easy to just to say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm a new ager, you know, or even, you don't even have to really say it, but you just kind of say a few of the, the things that they would say, you know, and it could be about any of the pantheons that are accepted, but you don't have to change your lifestyle whatsoever. Right. And you can say, well, everybody wants oneness and everybody wants peace and love and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's really all, the only thing that you really have to do to, to say you're a part of that whole thing. Yeah. You talk about chakras or yoga or uh, star signs or whatever, and you're mm-hmm. immediately accepted. And you're right. There's no demands placed on you. You don't have to give up anything. There's no strictness. There's no discipline. There's no uh, overcoming the desires, which is a big thing I noticed. Uh, like I, I lived in Hawaii in a little hip, hippie commune for a while where I learned that when someone tells you they're enlightened, it means that they smoke a lot of weed and probably sleep with a bunch of strangers. Now, it usually doesn't mean much more than that, but they all think of themselves as very you know, illumined and wise. Uh, but if you look at their life from the outside, they're just, they're addicts, you know, they're addicted to pleasure. Um, and they're not even, they're not even aware that they're addicted to it. There's, there's no effort to free themselves from, uh, from the passions, from the vices, from the sins, uh, because Christianity is hard and, uh, most people don't want to do stuff that's hard. They live their Mm -hmm. lives for comfort and for ease. And in a certain sense, yes, we do all want oneness and peace and love and joy. Well, Jesus came and showed us the way to that. Right. And it's not getting high and being promiscuous. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of those things. It's it's overcoming your vice with virtue. It's uh, learning how to be charitable, learning how to be selfless to whatever tiny extent we were capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been through that that whole world. And the irony of the new age is it's it, they're just reiterating things that were around 2000 years ago. Like there really is nothing new under the sun. No one's coming up with some new philosophy. Uh, every Every new age quote philosophy out there now you can find some Greek doing it before Socrates. Like it really was that long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, some of them, the Christian heresies would come afterwards, of course. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the new age is just the old age repackaged. Right, right. It really is. And, um, you know, the, the early church fathers, like you said earlier, they wrote all about this and they were fighting the exact same kind of things. Yeah. And just for people like, you know, Marty Leeds and not that he would ever listen to me, but uh, read some of the church fathers. These guys were brilliant. It's not yeah. like I think people have this idea of it's, it's going to be these boring guys. And it was so long ago that they couldn't possibly have anything to say that we could relate to. These guys were brilliant. They were fantastic writers and they thought yeah. very deeply because they didn't have all of the, you know, the distractions that we have. And they had, you know, that was the days when, you know, we only had a few things we had to worry about shelter and food and, and things yeah. like that. So these guys were deep thinkers. And I, I think a lot of people could benefit from reading them for, I mean, everybody could obviously. Oh, absolutely. And people hear, Oh, someone say Maximus confessor lived in, the sixth century like what could that primitive person possibly have to offer and then you sit down and open the book and you have no idea this guy's so smart you don't even know what he's talking about half the time mm -hmm. like not yeah. only did he did he know all of the things that you don't know uh but he explored things you never even you never even opened the jar you know to look inside at things mm -hmm. um like i'm i just i'm reading um saint gregory of nisa trying to explain the nature of the Trinity. And I have absolutely no idea what this guy's talking about. I can't follow any of the arguments. I can tell he's making sense in his mind and other people after him all said, yeah, this is, you know, like apex philosophy right here. I'm like, well, it sounds like Chinese to me, but I'll take your word for it. Or Greek to me, I suppose I should say. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, their simple instructions on how to live your life don't change. Like mm -hmm. the forms of things change. Like back in their time, if you wanted to commit a sexual sin, it was a lot harder, right? You'd have to like walk across town to the bad part of town and find a prostitute and risk being seen by your friends and family. They didn't have a screen in their room. They could just click a button, right? Mm -hmm. But the nature of the desire for that has never changed, right? And the ways to overcome that have never changed. So even if the forms are different, the internal passions that men and women deal with are always the same. Even, even Apostle Paul said, I'm not dealing with any temptations that you guys aren't. You know, we're all subject to the exact same things. And that experience has never, never changed. So in a certain sense, like the, the apostolic experience or the saintly experience is just the universal human experience. They struggled with passions. They followed a certain path to overcome them. And it's the simplest thing in the world to think about. And it's the hardest thing in the world to actually, to actually do. Uh, but yeah, people who don't read the church fathers, or if they grew up certain types of Protestant, they're like bombarded with a lot of anti-Catholic stuff. They don't even know what orthodoxy is, but even their anti-Catholic programming might stop them from even looking into the church fathers, right? They'll think, mm -hmm. oh, they're pagans that pretended to be Christian and Rome, Constantine brought paganism into Christianity. Like this is the kind of stuff you hear at a lot of Protestant churches. Uh, mm -hmm. None of that's true, but that can stop you from, from looking into the, the very thing that, that might answer all the questions you have. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very wise recommendation on your part. Well, yeah. You know, another thing that, uh, you, you did a video, uh, probably a year or so, and it might not have been quite a year. I forget the date, but, um, with a lady named Michelle Deanne Loper or Deanne Michelle Loper. Yeah. 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 Deanne Loper. Yeah. And, uh, I'd done a, sh a show with her. Maybe she was probably like my fourth or fifth guest because i did wow. like 50 shows by myself and i started having guests but she was fantastic and yeah, uh, i really enjoyed a really sweet the, lady yeah she and i really enjoyed the your talk with her and uh you know her books is very simple but it's to the point uh, yeah you know and i think that would help help a lot of people out to read that if they want to understand kind of uh kabbalah and how it's kind of affects our mm -hmm. world you know in a simplistic way but um yeah, I was. I thought that was really cool that you guys came together because I'm like, wow, I've read both of those books. And they're both very good. <laughs> yeah, her her book, uh, I think it was called "The Kosher Pig: Kabbalah Secrets Christians Need to Know," mm -hmm. reads exactly like the first draft of my book on the Masons and their lies. Well, like when I was a Protestant, it was the exact same format, really. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was it was like reading into my own past a little bit, and she was even deeper into the philosophy of Kabbalah than I was. Like I was into the ritual aspect of it, like how to gain different powers and wisdom, whatever. Uh, but I didn't really have the, the, the rabbinic perspective or framework of it that she really dove into. So I learned a lot from her book too. You know, I had practiced Kabbalah, but without caring much about the philosophy behind it. 
but she really put a lot of things in context. And, um, and after our talk, she said she was going to check out an Orthodox church with her husband, but I haven't followed up with her, so I don't know how that went. Oh, okay. Well, hope, hopefully she did. I, I want to have her back on because uh, I think we just kind of touched on some of the things. I, she was blowing my mind. I thought I knew a little bit too, and I was like, oh, I don't know <laughs> much at all. So Yeah, hey, none of us do. Yeah. How smart you think you are depends on who you're reading. Yeah, that's what I've learned. That's, that's true. And you can tell that when you're when you're talking to someone because like if they're a reader, you know, you can kind of get what vibe they're on at the time by what they're reading. You know, I'm like that too. So yeah, people that think they know everything, you can tell they don't read at all. Yeah, exactly. just read their own books over and over again, highlighting yeah. their own words. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, another thing I wanted to compliment you on is you talk about some serious things, but you do it in a way with a sense of humor that I think is really refreshing. And I think Thank a, you. a lot of people could benefit from that because, you know, a lot of the subjects are pretty serious. And, uh, you know, some people, even myself, we, I can get too serious and boring, <laughs> you know, with people. And so uh, I think that's cool. That people, I definitely recommend people check out their YouTube channel. And uh, obviously they need to get this book. If you're into Freemasonry and you uh, want to understand if you're a Christian, if you want to understand more about it, or even if you're not a Christian, you can benefit from it because uh, Michael breaks down a lot of these quotes, important quotes from Albert Pike and, and Manly P. Hall, different ones. And then near the back, you, you, you get into Kabbalah quite a bit too. And I think people can really benefit from that because there's a huge connection, uh, you know, with Freemasonry, obviously. And um, so I think that's a great book. Uh, would you uh, would you mind telling people where they can find you and, and like your your all your links and everything? Oh sure. So uh, I'm not on Facebook or Twitter. Um, I'm sometimes on Gab under Brother August or no Michael Whitcoff is my name on Gab. Uh, my YouTube channel is Brother Augustine and my books. I have two out now. The third one hopefully on the way soon. Uh, my books on the Masons and their lies and Theopoetica, which is a book about classical poetry. Uh, are on Amazon, uh, paperback, ebook, and audio for the Mason book. And I tried to upload an audio book for the poetry book four or five times, and they keep kicking it back and saying something's wrong, but they won't tell me what's wrong. And their audible is very, very specific. Like you have to have between half a second and one second of silence at the beginning of, and end of each track or something. Mm -hmm. And so it's like 47 tracks, or 43 tracks, this book. And they'll say, oh, you didn't meet this exact parameter, but they won't tell you which track it was. So you got to go back, listen to every single one. I mean, it's an unbelievably mind-numbing process. So I just gave up on that eventually. Yeah. Um, you can get the audiobook for that on Gumroad, though. Um, I don't know if I often post a link for that. I think I don't. Uh, it's not on, on Amazon yet. Uh, but in regards to what you're saying about talking about heavy issues with humor, uh, I think you kind of have to do it that way. And there are some issues that I'm moving away from as I, I think, grow in Christ, frankly, like moving a little bit away from politics, which was a big focus back when I was doing bike streams, like all my live streams were on my stationary bikes. So I was working out while I was doing them, talking about Trump and Proud Boys and all this stuff. I moved away from a lot of that because, I mean, you have to be careful and intentional with how you spend your time and energy. And for me, I think if I have no ability whatsoever to affect or change something, then I don't really see the point in thinking about it. What I do have the ability to affect is my own life and the lives of those immediately around me. And the best way I can help people is by growing in Christ and then sharing that growth with them. Because at the end of the day, there's no political system that's so bad that it will stop you from becoming a saint potentially, right? Saints have been made in communist prison camps. They've been made in capitalist countries, maybe not participating in the capitalism so much. Um, but the form of government, people are acting like our salvation depends on having the right president or the right type of government or the right type of society. And yes, yeah, some are better than others. Absolutely. I'd rather be here than in China. I'm not interested in, in a communist government. I mean, ours is moving that direction. I, I think it's pretty clear in a lot of ways. Uh, but if you can't change it, I mean, Satan is the king of this world for the time being, right? Like, He's going to take over everything. We know this. It says, it says this in Revelation. He's going to become the ruler of the earth before Christ comes back. So in a certain sense, what are we trying to prevent? The Bible from coming true? The, prevent the word of God from being a true prophecy? I don't know. 
And I get the positive intention, like we want life to be better for ourselves and our family, obviously. And I think the best way to do that is to have them grow in Christ. So if, if it's a question of talking about politics um, or sharing quotes from saints and church fathers, one of those is interesting and one of those is salvific. So I'm, I'm moving away from politics as time goes on, even though that's a major focus of the book I'm working on. Uh, I think that's going to be my last, last, um, how do I say this? My last opinion on politics, I think you're going to find in the, in the upcoming book. Hmm. Um, well, I was going to ask you. It becomes less interesting over time to me too. It, I agree. I agree. Uh, I still find myself, you know, I'll, I'll comment about it or whatever, but um, I agree with everything you said. And it's really kind of pointless, especially when, you know, the, the average people are just kind of going to take it as they're either left, you know, Democrat or Republican, and they don't put a, a whole lot more thought into it than that a lot of times. Right, and, right. and so it's just disconcerting because it's kind of just two factions of people kind of being swayed, you know, and then their emotions are being played upon all the time yeah. and psychological warfare and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I was going to ask you about the new book. So it's, it's a kind of a kind of a political vibe to it. Uh, I'm trying to be very careful about what I say, because I usually don't like to talk about a project until it's done. Gotcha. Um, I feel like by maintaining my silence about it, it, it allows my creativity to flourish better within the actual book or video or whatever. But yes, it's a, it's a, a survey of uh, political systems, let's say, uh, from a Christian perspective. And I think that's about all I can say about that for the time being. But uh, I'd like to have it done by the end of the year. I think I'll be able to. I've been distracted by a lot of stuff lately. I'm giving a speech uh, with E. Michael Jones and Michael Cisco and Luke Kendrat from Orthodoxy First in a couple of weeks at the Triad Forum. So I got to finish writing that. Uh, but I think it, it should be done by the end of the year, um, hopefully, hopefully. And uh, yeah, if you want to talk about it when it comes out, I'd be happy to come back on and, and chat about that. It's going to make me a lot of enemies. I can promise you that. <laughs> but I'm well, used to that by the, now. Hey, that's, a, that's okay, man, because, you know, I forget the quote, but it's like, if you don't have enemies, you've never done anything significant in your life. So. Yeah. You know, Christ says to pray for your enemies. Well, the first step in that is having enemies, right? Right. Because if, if you don't, then you're probably not, like you were saying, probably not doing very much uh, of significance. I mean, the, the demons are our ultimate enemies anyway, but mm -hmm. human enemies, you you accrue just by having an opinion on something. I mean, people are, I got attacked uh, twice this week on YouTube. One guy said that I, quote, abandoned the culture war. So he's going to unsubscribe because I'm not giving him the edgy takes that he watches my channel for. And then another guy saw my Orthodox cross and said, oh, that's a double cross. Uh, it's a Masonic thing. You're a deceiver, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, just by existing in public, you're going to attract some amount of, of flack from people, right? Just because you mm -hmm. have a public platform, even if it's really small like mine is. Yeah, um, that's very true, man. I mean, I'm small time too, but I, uh, and I really appreciate everyone who supported me and, and comp complimented me or even gave me, you know, criticism that wasn't too awfully harsh <laughs> you know fair criticisms it's great but there are an, a certain amount of people if you have any type of platform like this that are they're looking for trouble you know and and yeah. there's a lot of people that are uh, mentally uh, they have mental issues i guess you'd say and yeah. uh so i and think some we of them all are professionals of, too some there are people that are paid to come out seek out right-wing content traditional content and just attack the creators that's literally their job mm -hmm. oh i totally believe that 100 percent. and i think you see i see that on twitter a lot I'm, I'm certain accounts they they just you know that's what they do all day long yeah. just by <laughs> by their tweets and stuff well fortunately i've been banned from twitter for like three years so i don't have to see any of that well you're you're much better off it's it's a cesspool oh, yeah. as they say yeah. I mean, even Gab, like social media in general is not very edifying because even the people on the, the quote conservative side, they're writing the same kind of clickbait articles like you should be outraged about this. And I just inherently distrust anyone telling me how I should feel about anything. Like mm -hmm. what, what is it that you want from me that you think you're going to get if I'm like in some passionate out of control state? Why don't you want me to be rational level headed? 
that makes me think you're trying to get something from me, which of course is why the church fathers all teach dispassion as like the root of the virtues. Because if you're in a dispassionate state, then none of the temptations can get to you because you just, it's not apathy. It's very different from apathy. It's not like you don't care. You care a lot. Uh, you're just not in a excited state, let's say, in any particular direction. Uh, so any social media, I mean, they, they make their money by getting your attention. They get your attention by spiking your emotions, usually negative emotions. And I was a professional copywriter for a couple of years. So uh, I'm unfortunately very well aware that negativity sells better than positivity. Mm. You know, lose weight sells a lot better than here's how to not get fat in the first place. Yeah. Uh, fear sells a lot better than pleasure. Uh, it's just how the human mind works. So you know, they, they want to make money, they want attention, they're going to say negative stuff and spike your negative emotions. Uh, so I understand why so many saints just said, you know what, peace out and just wandered out into the desert with a Bible and never really came back. I get it. That's true. That's very true. And, you know, I've heard so many people, uh, even a lot of secular people talk about, well, I just want to get away. I want to move to the country. I just want to get away from everything, you know, especially under yeah. COVID. And uh, I think that the the church fathers, a lot of them had it right. The desert fathers, just get away from all the craziness, you know, go somewhere and meditate. And if you can, exactly. and, and write and, and, and uh, remember what it's like to be a real human again and get away from the technology and, and the, Amen. You know, the rat race. <laughs> Amen. You got to create the desert wherever you are. That's really. Yeah, absolutely. That, that said, I do got to run. I got a Bible study that I've uh, committed to in about 25 minutes here. But if you have a, a last question or anything, I'm, I'm happy to give a, a quick answer. No, I think that's it, man. I thank you so much. And again, I do apologize for the technical issues. And I'd no love worries. to have you on when uh, the, your book comes out or any other time. Okay, I'll, I'll let you know. Well, there it is, my interview with Michael Whitcoff or Brother Augustine of the Brother Augustine YouTube channel. And I will put his links in my show notes. I'll also put a link to his book on the Masons and their lies, which I don't believe we really talked about very much, but it's a really good book. He really delves deeply into the Kabbalah and the relationship to the Kabbalah and Freemasonry, which not a lot of people do. So I think that was excellent. And um, I know that he was pretty high up in Masonry and actually had joined one of the offshoots of Masonry. Uh, as well as he was interested in the OTO. I don't know if he ever joined that or not, but we'll have to talk to him again and kind of get his uh, views on that and his history with that. So anyway, I thank him once again for his patience, and I want to thank you for listening. Also, I want to thank my wonderful patrons. I want to thank Kilowatt. I want to thank Cody. I want to thank Sir Tim of the Tunnels. I want to thank Damon. I want to thank Aaron, David. I want to thank James. And I want to thank Jack Allen from the Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence podcast. Please check out his show if you haven't. You probably have because he and I have done shows together. But if you haven't, definitely check out his content because he's doing a wonderful job. Thank you all for supporting me. And if you'd like to join my Patreon and join the Society of the Cryptic Savants, it's patreon.com forward slash the odd man out. Also, please, please share the show. And uh, leave me a good review if you want to. It helps. Trust me. Whatever platform you're using, if it allows you to leave a good review, then please do. Also, I was going to put out there, if anyone is interested in possibly taking and recording, doing screenshots of excerpts of the show and putting it on social media, whether that be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Gab, Float, whatever it might be, then that would really help. I know a lot of shows do that. They're, they're, they're fans and their friends and patrons. They do that kind of stuff to help out. I know No Agenda, that's kind of one of the things that's kept them going all these years is they have a tremendous, tremendous fan base who helps out in all these different ways as far as advertising and stuff like that. So if you like a little part of the show that I talked about or me and a guest talked about, maybe just go on the Podbean or whatever platform you use and do a little screenshot, a little screen recording of it, and pop that in whatever social media you use and tag me in it, that would help out so much, and I would super, super appreciate that. And I want to also thank the Militant Vegan Meat Cutter uh, for his support. And with that, guys, 
I love you all. I look forward to talking to you again. Uh, next week, we have Freemasonry Part 5, which has been in my Patreon for a week. I've been doing some extra stuff on Patreon, and so I hope that you enjoy it if you are patrons. I plan on doing even more. I want to give you guys some extra stuff for supporting me. I'm going to be on this Monday with the Occult Rejects talking more about Michael Aquino and the Temple of Set. I am going to talk to one of the creators of my favorite, favorite, uh, or at least top five favorite YouTube channels, Now You See TV, and that is John Pounders, and he does a great job. He also does the Midnight Ride on there with David Carrico, and they talk about some really fringe Christian subjects, and they have Gary Wayne on there all the time, and some of these other guys that I've actually talked to, like uh, Deanne Loper and people like that. So he's going to be on, God willing, Tuesday. I can't wait to talk with him. And if you don't know Now You See TV, check it out on YouTube. And they've been getting censored a ton because they go deep. Uh, I would suggest if you can't find them on YouTube, go to their Rumble. And of course, I'll put those links in my show notes when I do the show with him. So looking forward to talking to all of you soon and God bless. And remember, their order is not our order. See you guys.